Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. My talk today is titled, The Path to Peace. Everyone say, The Path to Peace. Everyone wants peace in their life, amen. Peace can mean different things to different people. And there's a specific context, context that we are going to be talking about today, I guess. But for me, it's an overarching context. Um, because I think in people's minds, peace means something different. And all of us here today are looking for a particular kind of peace. Because it's not the kind of peace that you, you identify as one single thing. Amen? So, my assumption today is that we want more peace in our lives. And my, my hope is that as I speak today, I enable all of us to be able to find more peace, right? Because peace is important. Um, you know what it's like to live life stirred up and stressed and worried and afraid and anxious. And uh, that's not what God has purposed for us. Amen. So we're going to talk about the path to peace today. Uh, It has been now almost 15 years since we left Zimbabwe. Um, I'm actually an Englishman, believe it or not, but I don't sound English and I don't sound Zimbabwean. I just sound confused. Um, But I spent a big portion of my life in Zimbabwe, maybe 16, 17 years. And one of the things that for me is a great memory, I like the outdoors. It's one of the things I like about Jersey because it's a much more outdoor kind of lifestyle, even though it gets terribly cold at times. It's not as cold as other places. But um, what I like is the outdoors. And one of the things that I used to enjoy doing when I lived in Zimbabwe was maybe once a year, my brother and I used to go four or five days up into the mountains hiking uh, in an area called the Chimani Manis. Can you say that? Chimani Manis. It's a good word to say. Hey, you're going to go home and you're going to be going, Chimani Mani. Money, money. Uh, it is in the east of Zimbabwe. It's part of what's called the Eastern Highlands. It borders on Mozambique. And we used to go up there. And it's the kind of place where you drive to this little, little government hut building at the bottom where you can park your car, you pay your fees, and then you just climb up and you disappear. I mean, it, it's a massive area. It's pretty remote. Um, it, it has miles and miles and miles of narrow footpaths um, and it's got mountains and valleys and you get to look at high points across big valleys. It's got cool, crisp, sweet waters. So we'd be able to find particular pools and swim and there'd be places where there were big rocks that you could jump off into deep pools. It was kind of one of these serene and beautiful and tranquil places where if you actually saw another person while you were there, it was surprising. Sounds wonderful, eh? I'm taking the trip next summer. No, I'm not. One of the things that was really important when you go up there, because you are far away from help, literally, uh, you could be, I don't know, if you had to go and get help, if this was, I guess it was almost before cell phones because they didn't really work very well up there, you'd have to walk for hours actually to find another human being. Um, So it was really important that you knew where you were and where you were going. Because whilst a lot of these paths were quite clear, if you didn't know where that path was going, it could take you where you didn't want to go. 
And you might be walking along a path, looking for another path because you've looked on your map and you want to go across this mountain ridge down to another place because there's potentially like a cave there that you want to sleep in during the night. Um, it's very easy for you to be confused by the paths because lo and behold, there are people up there who like cross-border uh, smugglers who like will smuggle chickens and all sorts of things through. Literally, it's like a two or three strand barbed wire fence in the saddle between the hills to cross over into Mozambique. There's no guard house, there's no army or anything up there. You could just walk across. And so there are people that cross through the area who live locally. And then there are wild animals up there as well. And you know how they are. They don't all walk in a straight line forward like that. They walk in a line like that after each other. So once they've walked a, a, a route a few times and there's a few of them, they create a path. So it's really important that you know where you're going, what path you're on. Otherwise, you could find yourself walking through or around an edge and you're on a clifftop. Or you could find yourself in an area that looks remotely nothing like the map that you're looking at. In uh, the book of Isaiah, God is speaking about humanity and his people. And he says in chapter 59, verse 8, the way of peace, remember the word way, the way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. I'm going to read that again. The way of peace, now when we talk about the word way, what it means is direction. So he's talking about the people on earth. He's saying they don't know the direction, let alone the path or the road. Amen? Can you get the image now in your head? They don't know the direction of peace. There is no justice in their paths. So what it's saying there is that people had this idea of a way that was good, but it was a wrong direction. They started walking in that direction and other people walked with them and created paths. They were crooked paths, the Bible talks them about. They've sorry, they were, there was no justice in their paths. And more and more people walked this way such that the Bible says they have turned them into crooked roads. You know, if you're out and about and you don't know where to go and you see a path, you're thinking that path is going somewhere, so I'm going to follow that path. There are people in life who are walking in a direction in a quest to find peace and happiness and joy, but they have no idea where they're going. It's their best shot guess, and off they go. Someone else, you know what people are like, someone else sees them going and thinks, oh, they look like they know where they're going, and so they follow. And what happens is you end up with a a civilization that is walking away from God, following all these fancy and clever ideas that are currently fads. You know, a wind blowing through a particular society that sounds good. I mean, we must be good because we thought of it. It's quite a clever idea. Let's push society that way. Let's do this. And what happens is they are apart from the Lord the Bible says there's no justice in those paths and they've become crooked roads and people are following after and walking down crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. There's another scripture in Proverbs 16 verse 25 that says, there is a way that appears to be right, 
but in the end, it leads to death or destruction. Matthew 7 verse 13 says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. It talks about how the way of the Lord is a narrow path and few find it, but the way of the world is a broad, multi-laned highway and many are going to destruction. At the end of this road that we're, or this path that we're talking about is peace. And I want to talk about how we can find the right path to find the kind of peace that Jesus and God are talking about for us. Because that is a peace that counts. So I'd like to use the word peace, or the word path today. The word path, and I'm going to make four points. P-A-T-H. Everyone say path. Say it again. Okay. And what I want to do with each of those letters, I want to talk about four lies but they're gonna be married, each lie is gonna be married to the truth, the corresponding truth, okay? Four lies about peace and four truths about peace. Yes, and I hope it's helpful. So, we're gonna start each point by saying peace is. Peace is not this thing and peace is this thing. Right, so point one today, P. Peace is not a place, okay? Peace is not a place. It's not a destination that you and I are working our way towards, for argument's sake. If I work hard and I save this amount of money, I'll feel comfortable and that will give me peace. If I have this kind of stuff in my life, I'll feel like I've got peace. If I attain a certain place of recognition in society that'll make me feel peace. Uh, Do you understand what I'm saying? Peace is not a place. Um, Isaiah 9 and 6 to 7 says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's the next one? Prince of Peace. Of the greatness, or other versions, instead of using the word greatness, they say of the increase. Of the greatness or the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, upholding and establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Sometimes we talk about, if I can just get away, on a holiday for some peace and quiet. It's not a place, amen? You know what the worst thing about holidays is? Coming home, amen? There's no permanent peace apart from the person. It's not a place, it's a person. Peace is a person. 
His name is Jesus. And the Bible talks about him as the Prince of Peace. That talks about the chief or the commander. You know, he is the champion of heaven and peace comes from the person Jesus. And the Bible says it's not one of those peace, you know, like countries that war with each other and another country gets involved and they broker a little peace treaty and for a while it lasts and then it falls flat and they start fighting again. You know, the Bible says that Jesus' peace grows on and on and on and it never stops increasing. There will never be an increase to the peace of God. What a wonderful promise. And we'll talk about why that is just now. But it all begins with the person called Jesus. And I want to say today very clearly, because I don't know where you are at. Some of you might be here today and you just know God and you love him. Some of you are feeling like you did once upon a time and you're just not there. Others are like, I don't really, have, I've never really made a, a, like I'm crossing the line and I'm beginning to a, a relationship with Jesus. I don't know where you're at today, but I want to tell you that you can't have peace in your life unless you have peace with God. Amen? You can have all the stuff in the world, but still have this gnawing feeling of unrest in your life because you are made for a relationship with the person Jesus. Amen? And the kind of relationship where he's not the side show, but he's the chief. He's the commander of your life. Amen? So, some people talk about it as friendship with God. When you begin a relationship with God, when you become his friend, when you understand that the weight of your sin does not rest on your shoulders anymore, that he carried that and died and paid the price for it, that you are free, there's a peace that comes over you that the world cannot give. Amen? The Prince of Peace, the person Jesus. The path to peace begins with the person Jesus. The second point that I want to make today is the letter A. Peace is not an absence. Everyone say absence. Peace is not an absence of hardship in your life. You need, to just, you need to get this. Peace is not the absence of difficulty. It's not the absence of strife. It's not the absence of pressure. It's not the absence of pain. It's more than that. The Bible describes it as an assurance. Peace is not an absence. It's an assurance. John 16, 32, verse 33 says, A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, he says. Yet I am not alone. Hallelujah. Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling isolated today? Jesus said, even if you all leave me, the closest human beings that I know, I am not alone. For my Father, and the Bible described him in, in, in Isaiah as an everlasting Father, 
He's not like our human fathers who might pass away one day. He is always by our side. Amen? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus has said it right now. If you are encountering difficulty and hardship and trouble in your life, it has nothing to do with you necessarily. It's just life. That's why peace is not an absence because if you're waiting for an absence of strife, you're going to wait a long time. Peace is an assurance that you are not alone. Peace is for in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our questions. That's the peace that the Bible is talking about. The world cannot get their head around this kind of peace because you can't manufacture it. You can't go into the world and find this peace because it comes from the person, Jesus God will never leave you nor forsake you. That is an assurance. You can take it to the bank. You can live on that. You just have to decide if that's enough. God is with you in the midst of your difficulties. Peace is not a place. It's a person. Peace is not an absence it's an assurance. Thirdly, peace, the word T, peace is not troubled. Peace is thankful. What do I mean by that? You know, you can meet some people and because of their disposition, they're just miserable. You know what I mean? They will find the cloud in every silver lining. They, if you say to them, how are things going? They will tell you everything that's rubbish in their life. They'll moan and they'll complain and they'll whinge and they'll suck every bit of joy out of you as well. They're like a vacuum of joy. They're like a black hole that just sucks you in. Peace is not troubled and that's troubled talking, amen? Peace has its own faith language. Can I challenge you, my brother and sister, right now? Peace has a faith language. It's called thankfulness. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7 says, Paul writing, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, right? So instead of complaining, you could pray. You could run to the Father who loves you, who's made his glorious riches of provision available to you, and you can speak with him, and you can thank him for his presence in your life, for his goodness for working for your good in every situation, that his favor rests upon you, that in spite of what I see around me, God, I trust you because you said it's true and because you demonstrated it. 
Amen? Thankfulness is powerful. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And as a result, the Bible says, the peace of God. Not the peace of your bank account or from your bank account. Not the peace from your husband or your wife. Not the peace from your family or your job. The peace from God. The Bible says, which transcends all understanding. We were talking about this and we're going to make this point now. God's peace is not normal. It is supernatural. It is ununderstandable. You can't understand it. You can be in the most difficult of times, faced with the biggest challenges, and just be shocked by how calm you feel. Because God's peace is rushing into your life. And you know what the consequence of that is? You just think clearer. You don't panic. And you just make good decisions. And you work your way through it with the help of the Lord. Because you know He's right by your side. And that He's working for your good. His plans for you, the Bible says, are good, pleasing, and perfect. He's not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to find a place where you actually fail so he can go, I knew it. They're not real. He knows you and he's working for you. And so we don't whinge, we don't complain, and we don't grumble. Sometimes it's good to talk about stuff with other people, but there's a way that we talk, amen, that is good, and a way that we talk that is just like, I'm just going to complain about God right now. I'm going to complain about how bad my life is. I need your sympathy. And so I'm going to tell you everything so that you understand how bad things are for me. So you can feel sorry for me. God is for you. You don't have to feel sorry for yourself. Amen? So what do we do? We, as people of God, as friends of God, who have peace with God, who trust Him, who have a different faith language, we worship our way through our battles. This is challenging, amen? We praise our way through our battles. In the good times, in the bad times, we praise God. You know, the devil cannot stand it when we give God praise when things are going wrong in our lives. He just wants to weigh us down with the weight of life. He wants to crush our spirits. He wants us to feel isolated and alone and unloved and uncared for. But it's all lies. It's all lies. John 14, 27. Jesus speaking again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. See, the world has nothing to offer. Jesus has something great. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Fourth point today, my last one. We've talked about peace is not a place, it's a person. We've talked about Peace is not an absence of hardship. We've talked about it's an assurance of God with us in the midst. We've talked about how peace has a different language, a different tone. It's not troubled. 
It's thankful. Amen? And our last point today, H, peace is not happiness. Say happiness. Peace is not happiness. Peace is hopefulness. Amen? If your peace is based upon your present feeling of happiness, it won't last. Because your emotions are like a roller coaster. You can be up and down and all over the place in one moment. Peace is not happiness. Peace is hopefulness, right? What do I mean? It's not a present feeling. It's based on a past event that was done and dusted. Jesus' death on a cross, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering sickness. When he was raised to life, he says in, uh, in John, we read it earlier, take heart, I've overcome the world. He's overcome sin and sickness and death itself. That was an event, an unquestionable event. You can look in the, the textbooks of history. It's recorded there. There's more evidence for it for, than for many of the things that we've been taught at school and believed about life. It is unquestionably a historical event. So we can look back at that event knowing that Jesus doesn't lie in a tomb anymore. The cross is empty. The Bible says he's raised right now, seated at the right hand of God with all powers and all dominion at his feet. That's what it means when we look back at a past event. Do you know what that means? That we can look forward to the future with hope, knowing that one day, when it, the story is finished and this life is swept away like ash in the wind, we will be with Jesus face to face for eternity. So it's not important that I'm happy. It's important that I have hope. Amen. Peace is not happiness. There are many things that can make you happy, make you happy, but they are temporary. A person who is full of hope overcomes hardship after hardship after hardship. Carries this peace with them that people are surprised by. How is it that you are not freaking out? There's a reason. It's not just for your benefit. Peace is for the world. Amen? You know, we talked about how God's kingdom, the Bible says there'll be, there'll be no, in, there'll be no um, stopping. It'll just be increase upon increase of his government and peace. Do you know how that happens? With peace carriers. Amen? He came. He was born. We're about to celebrate that at Christmas time. And then Easter happened where he died and conquered sin and death itself and rose at ascension to the right hand of God. He sent us his Holy Spirit. We have him with us, in us at all times, the supernatural power of God in every circumstance. I mean, what, are we, what have we got to complain about, right? And we have that peace that separates us from other people because we have friendship with God. 
because we have an assurance, because we have hope, we live our lives differently. And do you know what? It's like, it's like that blue light that all the insects fly to. They can't help it. If you've seen The Bug's Life, I don't know if you've seen that film. Don't, yeah, don't fly to the light. I can't help myself. That's what we are like, amen, as peace carriers. There's something attractive about us. So my point is simple. Man, get that peace and go with that peace because the world needs you to have peace. It's full of people in the world who have no peace. Isaiah 26 verse three says, you will keep in perfect peace Those whose minds are steadfast. That means those who are lent against Jesus. Who are resting. Who are refreshing. Who are reviving. That's what that word steadfast means. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I began with that verse in Isaiah 59 verse 8 earlier on. Some verses later in chapter 59, God, God was talking about how the, the people of the earth, the people of God, how they didn't know the way and how there was no justice in their paths and how they had these crooked roads. And, and he goes on to talk about just the dire scenario because of all of this. And, 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 and he goes on for the rest of chapter 58. And then in 59, verse 16, these words stood out to me. It says, God was looking out over the sea of humanity and it says, he saw that there was no one. He was appalled, the Bible says. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. They were all walking headlong into destruction. And God looked around and was like, there must be someone who can shine a light. And there was no one. But he was looking, that's the important thing. The Bible says he saw that there was no one, so his own arm achieved salvation for him. Praise God. But that doesn't mean he's not looking anymore for people to intervene, amen? That's what our goal is for the Lord now, is to get that peace that surpasses all understanding in our lives and to carry it into a broken world and offer it to people who want peace and who are lost and who are broken, who have lost their jobs, who have lost a loved one, who have been given uh, a bad diagnosis by the doctor, who don't know how to pay their bills, who, who, who have no friends, who, who are locked away in places. There, might be, there are people in prison who are isolated. They're all needing hope. They're all needing peace. And we can celebrate Jesus all you like at Christmas, but if we don't take the good news of hope to anybody, it's at their loss. Amen. So I want to challenge you today. Run to Jesus and find his peace. Live in his peace. Don't let the devil steal it away from you. 
There's no situation that justifies your peace being robbed from you. It doesn't matter what happens to you. There's no excuse to give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. He's with you. He's working for you, fighting for your good. Even when you cannot see it, even when you cannot feel it, he is working for your good. Even your biggest mistakes, your biggest regrets in life, he's taking those things and he's building a beautiful story out of it. That's how good he is. Get that peace and go and tell the world about how good God is because that is the only way that people are going to find peace. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.